Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, bit to get 30, bit to get 20, 20, 20, bit to get 20, 20, bit to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. The Irish question and the resolution of that question that I've been reporting for nearly 50 years. It's part of my DNA, it's been part of my life. All we can do as television journalists is to make the public aware of something. One of the reasons why, you know, I carry on trying to cover Northern Ireland is because I think a lot of people probably forget where we've all come from and it's just a warning that we must do all we can to avoid ever going back there again. Michael Oakley, for example, and thinking senior British officers and Frank Steele, because Frank was there at the time of internment, and he told me, just before he died, that internment was a disaster. I mean, there were people within the British administration, notably within the intelligence services, six and latterly five, who could see what the effect of these measures were taking. You didn't need to have letters 10 feet high on a wall to know what the effect of Bloody Sunday was. But there were people within the British, successive British administrations who saw what was happening but, but were powerless to sort of say to politicians or politicians weren't interested in listening about the results, the consequences of the policies that were being pursued. Because you, you quote in, in the book, you quote uh, Sir Kenneth Stow during the hunger strikes who says Northern Ireland is not a place to grow martyrs. Yeah. And so there was an awareness Absolutely, of, of yeah. the consequences of this. There were, and Ken Stowe was one of them. And talking to other British civil servants for, uh, uh, I think, my, my Brits book, Provost Lawyers and Brits, uh, who said that it was all predictable. You know, they knew what was happening, but it, this was the Thatcher era. Hmm. Mrs. Thatcher the Iron Lady and the Iron Men. She was like an iceberg. Absolutely, absolutely. She didn't want to know and woe betide any minister minister who who challenged her. But she was a sort of a cartoon character in a way. You know, it wasn't... Not at the time. It it was was propagandistic. No, what I mean by that was that it it was a very unsophisticated, um, dogmatic, unrealistic approach. But there, there are contradictions within that too, aren't there? Because even within a year... Or of the Brighton bomb in 84, she signs the Anglo-Irish Agreement, which enrages unionists and which is, you know, 
I think especially people in the Irish government would say without the Anglo-Irish agreement, there would have been no Downing Street Declaration and there would have been no mm-hmm. Good Friday mm-hmm. Agreement. So even when she is being at her most implacable, uh, in an understandable situation after the, the Brighton bomb, there is still this sense that you know, within yeah. a year there's an Anglo-Irish But she agreement. does it. Mrs. Thatcher signs the Anglo-Irish Agreement and she had to have her hand held <laughs> by... <laughs> By <laughs> by Robert by Sir Robert Armstrong, who was the cabinet secretary, to get her to sign it, he virtually had to sign it for, and, and he told me that. I always I always remember that. Um, but the reason why that Mrs. Is, Thatcher that did it sick. was was not with a view to recognising that the push ultimately had to be towards some kind of Irish unity. Mm. It was because she wanted to get uh, Garrett Fitzgerald, who was then Taoiseach on side to crack down mm. on the IRA along the border. So it was a, a it was a, a, t- a tight focus reason for doing it, not anything long term. But she always saw it. She never saw it beyond the prism of a security issue. N- not no, no, because you know she was a, a unionist. Uh, she regarded the IRA as being, you know, bloodthirsty murdering terrorists, which, you know, was understandable given what was happening at the time. And people forget what we were all living through, what you were living through, your families were living through, and I was living through. Well, not, D- not Dion, he's, he's a push. Well, it's <laughs> funny, I was reading the book he, last he, night, I was remembering, <laughs> I remember, this shows how much it, it pushed through, because I was a kid during the hunger strikes. I remember being, this is, I remember being at a summer camp, uh, when you were seven, eight, nine, whatever we were, and we all used to chant, I mean, we, were in the, we used to go swimming in the summer camp, and we'd be in the dressing room getting changed, and everyone used to chant, what do we want? Political status. When do we want really? it now? Oh, and that, God, pen, yeah. that it was just, we, just, we didn't know what it meant. We, and but we, it, that's how much it had penetrated into the consciousness of the country yeah, yeah. Well, around the, the time of the hunger strike. Yeah. But again, looking at the evolution of events, political status, when uh, Billy McKee, whom I you know, got to know well b- before he died, when Billy McKee went on the hunger strike in Crumlin Road Jail pro- just before the Cheney Walk Talks, 1972, uh, demanding political status. I remember thinking, you know, what's political status? And, and I knew what it was. It's young clothes, etc. But one never envisaged, never imagined what those words would mean in terms of the evolution of the conflict. And it was political status which lay at the heart of the conflict. You know, what are these fighters fighting for what are they are they mm. terrorists are they you know murdering bloodthirsty killers or are they motivated motivated by a political cause and a political reason which is the ultimate reunification of the island of ireland and, and that's was the, it was all about perceptions and mrs thatcher's perception and the administration's perception was hardline that 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 they had that they had they were common criminals and therefore should be sentenced by due process of law, which is why I came to get or, involved in interrogation. Or, 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 or you know, undue process undue of law. Process but I, come of back, law. I come back to <laughs> Well, you're a lawyer, I, you're a barrister. I, 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 I know that, I know that um, you know Raymond McCartney and Eamon McDermott very well. And uh, Raymond and Eamon, for the listeners, were uh, in the H-blocks together and Raymond went on the first hunger strike and a uh, hugely determined man very impressive man 
Sorry. Just on, on Eamon Go McDermott, on. whom I got to know in, when he was a prisoner, when I yeah. did the uh, Enemies Within amazing documentary. Um, during lockup at lunchtime, so the prison officers could go and have a, a, a jar in the bar, uh, the prisoners were locked up. And when I was doing the research with the late Steve Hewlett, who was my producer, we would then get locked up at our request in a particular cell with a particular prisoner. And I remember being locked up during one lunchtime. There were long lunches, so two, two hours, which is a relief for the prison officers. And, <laughs> and the prisoners. And, and, the, and the prisoners. I was locked up with Eamon McDermott from Derry, and I'd got to know his family well. And they were in a lovely middle class. His father was a doctor and everything else. And I looked in... It's unbelievable. I, I, and I sat there with, uh, with, uh, uh, with Eamon and looked at his bookshelves, which is something I tend to do when I go into somebody's house, you know, which says something about them. And on his books were... Uh, on his bookshelves were, you know, a, a line of classics, including... Um, was it... Uh, the Mayor of Casterbridge. The Mayor of Casterbridge, that's right. And, I, uh, and uh, next to War and Peace... And I said to Eamon, Eamon, one of the most stupid questions I've asked, but one of the better ones. I said, Eamon, what's an IRA man doing reading Tolstoy and Hardy? And he looked at me straight in the eye again <laughs> and said, Peter, because an IRA man is normal, just like everybody else. And those words stuck with me. And that was part... Um, this has been part of my learning process over mm. 50 years. But that's one of the things I remember, Raymond saying that an IRA man is normal, just like everybody else. And subsequent to the removal of the books, once they were in hate block then and they were on the dirty protest, um, uh, you may or may not know this, um, Eamon used to at night in the blocks, when the blocks were closed and the wardens had gone and there were no more beatings. He would declaim the classics out loud and you could hear a pin drop through the blocks from memory. And Tess of the Durbervilles, whenever he came to the finale of Tess of the Durbervilles and Tess is murdered at the end of Tess of the Durbervilles. You've ruined it. She said the prisoners, the, prisoner, he, 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 the prisoners went mental. They wanted, they wanted a romantic ending. And, uh, but Eamon and Raymond, during that first hunger strike, I, I interviewed them and we're actually going to do a live, we're going to do a live broadcast with Eamon and Raymond in Derry City. We're setting it up for television, etc., for for a future podcast. But one of the things that I found, you know, I've never really been able to recover from hearing this, was that when Eamon started, when Raymond started to refuse his food and they kept bringing the food in, twice a day they'd bring the food in, and then Eamon was overwhelmed with guilt that he was eating, you know, and uh, he would weep, you know, the tears would come and Raymond would say, would you for fuck's sake eat? He says, you know, this is not your, you know, you might be called upon next, you know, eat, eat, eat. And he said that he suffered that guilt for years and years, you know, that his cellmate is dying and he's still eating, you know, and he said he still, as a grown man, you know, feels feels that guilt. And the tremendous depth of emotion and and all, and you know, the fact that they were part of our community, is I think very well captured in 
in, in this book, which I, I believe, well, so everybody has their own view, you know, believed to be a true account. I mean, in your, your index to censorship piece where you talk about the tremendous concern that your program had with forced confessions, the 80% of cases then. And this is just before the hunger strike when I wrote Beating the Terrorist, yeah. yeah. And um, you'd written that. You'd also, I think, um, you'd, you'd done a, a documentary on it, I think. If I'm not mistaken, it was pulled by the yes. Independent Broadcasting Authority. They banned the documentary. Um, but Raymond and Eamon served, I think, 17 and 18 years for the murders of Jeffrey Agate. That was Raymond, the DuPont industrialist right. who, was, who was murdered. And then uh, Eamon for a young constable in, in Derry who had gone into the Lindsay Ford garage with his That's car right. to, be, to, yeah. to, be, to be serviced. And years later, our fates became tied because I represented them in the Court of Appeal. 20 years after their first appeal had been rejected, and the uh, the appeal was successful, you know, and the Court of Appeal said, not only should these men never have been tried, they should never have been charged. And yet the same Court of Appeal 20 years later about the multiple injuries that they had, about the clear evidence that confessions had been beaten from them, said that these are precisely the type of hardened terrorists who would inflict these injuries in order uh, to create the, the false perspective which that was, they had been which was, by. Which was Sir Kenneth Newman's defence, just coming coming back to uh, the index and censorship piece. And when I went, after I'd um, made the documentary about ill-treatment, alleged ill-treatment as it was, um, Sir Kenneth Newman uh, refused to be interviewed but issue, <coughs> issued a statement which we were reluctant to carry because why should we carry a statement when he wouldn't be interviewed? But I then went to see him when I was writing the the book about interrogation, Beating the Terrorist, which was published just before the hunger strike. I went to see him at Brown's, Brams Hill Police College. And he pulled out from his top drawer the copy of Index on Censorship and accused me of being a lefty. Which I'm not, you a know, woke, I'm a journalist. A woke lefty, woke mob, pro-refugee. But that, what, what I had written in that article um, really caused him deep, deep concern because his defense was that most of these injuries are self-inflicted, which I believe they were not. I mean, all the medical evidence and the judicial evidence is that they were not. And again, that's one of that's one of those events on which the hunger strike builds. It's the same issue, and then it escalates. And after the hunger strike, the key thing about the hunger strike, apart from the you know appalling suffering of the hunger strikers, which was self-inflicted, as Mrs. Thatcher never tired of saying, was the election of Bobby Sands. And it was the election of Bobby Sands that transformed everything, because the government was saying they have minimum. Perhaps the, you could just explain that to the younger listener, what happened <laughs> with Bobby Sands. The, uh, the government's standard view was that the injuries were self-inflicted, that the uh, IRA, Sinn Féin, had no, not no, no support, but, but minimum, minimum support. 
I knew that once Bobby Sands had said he was going on hunger strike, I knew this at the time, this isn't hindsight, I knew he was going to die because he had to. And once Sands had died, others had to die because they couldn't let their, let, let their, comrades, let their comrades down. The key moment came when there was a by-election in Fermanagh, South Tyrone. It was suggested uh, to Gerry Adams that the hunger strikers should put up a candidate in the by-election. And there was great debate within the Republican movement about whether that was a, a good idea because the chances were he would lose and that would be a setback for, you know, for... for uh, the Republican movement, and would be a, a victory for the government. So there was great discussion and controversy about whether they should run a candidate. And in the end, they decided to run Bobby Sands, or maybe Bobby Sands suggested... He, I don't know the process that went into the, the selection process for the candidate, but anyway, Bobby Sands stood and won a huge victory. I mean, the victory was pretty narrow, but that didn't matter. He he he'd he'd won. It's a bit it was like a ninety percent turnout. A huge huge turnout, and it just gave the lie to the government's position that they have minimum support. You know, the, around around a hundred thousand, it is estimated, turned out for that funeral. Um, sorry, it turned out yeah, turned out for the funeral because Sands was elected on a narrow majority, but that didn't matter. And Kieran Doherty was then like another hunger striker was elected in the south. That's right, and it, it crossed the border. It crossed mm-hmm. the border, and I remember driving across the border at the time and seeing black flags flying, you know, along the main route. There wasn't the motorway in those days. Black flags. So the hunger strike was transformatory, and Sands's hunger strike and his election victory and his death which was perceived with understandable reasons as the death of a martyr, um, was transformatory. And without that election, would Jerry Adams have run in, in the 83? Uh, would, would, would Sinn Féin then have run as abstentionist candidates in the I, North? I think it's highly unlikely because by then, after Sands' victory, Sinn Féin recognised that there was potential, huge potential, and those within the Republican movement who recognised, and Adams was one of them, that in the end, the armed struggle had to give way to politics. Again, that was a transformatory moment, and and I doubt if Adams would have stood, because you stand because you you believe you stand a chance of winning, because if you don't, it's a setback. Uh, I don't think Adams would have stood had uh, Bobby Sands not paved the way with his victory in Fermanagh South Tyrone. Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. 
That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Well, you, you mentioned the journalist who contacted you and said you had blood on your hands. How did you, and I'm sure you don't want to make this about you, but how did you keep going through some of these those events keep going back to people, keep going back to sources. But you mentioned Adams there. I know, like you say in the book, Adams threatened to sue you when you were going to say that he was Brownie, the writing for the Republican. It was news. Adams's right hand man who wrote the letter. <laughs> it was Richard Bacaulay, who's I think Richard sent me the letter, which was threatening. You know? Okay, okay. <laughs> you're saying he was he was uh, writing. He was in the IRA essentially. I wasn't saying that at all. No. He was Jerry's political. Confidant. Okay, yeah, yeah. okay. But I think I think the letter. Well, I think I, I have to check. I think the letter was sent by Richard, whom I knew well, you know. But it was a warning. Yeah. On the uh, on Brownlee. But did you keep but other like the the darker moments to keep going back to the story? People, you know, Joe mentioned that you know one of your documentaries wasn't broadcast. More than one, a number of them. Yeah. Do you think? Like, what do you think about? I'll do something else. I'll do. I'll stay away from this story. It's not well, after after the killing of uh, the prison officer, hmm. and I was accused of having blood on my hands. That's the that was the moment. That was the moment of, of the crossroads when I had to decide whether this was too much. I was getting too involved, uh, and I was suffering too. I mean, to be accused of being, you know, partly responsible for the, the, the death of somebody was, you know, it, it really hurt. And I thought. Do I really want to carry on doing this? And I decided, having discussed it in detail with, with my then my with my late wife, uh, who's who said, you know, you've got you've got to carry on, and and dear, you know, close colleagues with whom I discussed it said, no, you've got to carry on, and also my you know my my bosses then at Thames Television who were fantastic people like, you know, Sir Jer- now Sir Jeremy Isaacs encouraged me to do it you know he knew what we the broadcasters were up against and he was stalwart in his defense of what we did i remember doing another program that was uh, that was banned um on the queen's visit uh, because the queen's visit was presented as being a great victory for you know sanity and unity the queen was the great uh, unifier of the two communities of course, she was exactly the opposite. That was she 1977, was wasn't it? That's right, yeah, yeah, yeah. The programme was pulled completely. Yeah, yeah. And the, and the union, the ACT, blacked the screen um, in, 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 in protest. Um, and I remember Alastair Burnett, with whom I worked in my early days uh, at Thames Television, Alastair Burnett was then, you know, the face of uh, News at 10, ITN, and the presenter of the This Week programme for which I was working, he did a piece to camera at the height of the Queen's visit when there was a violent riot, riot going on in the centre of, well, just bottom of uh, bottom of Divis Street. And, and Alistair Burnett did a piece to camera saying you could almost he- hear the piece in the air. And there's this which I was covering, you know. Um, and were there not, I think, that a, a soldier was murdered right at that time? I think there was at least... There was, uh, yeah. And I think also... A, 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 Gunner a, a, Robert Curtis... No, not Gunner Robert Curtis. Uh, 
Anyway, but I, I wrote one of my more controversial lines at the time. You could almost feel which, the beast. Which, which was, um, Gunner, no, it wasn't, wasn't, no, anyway, the, the soldier died. He was killed by an IRA sniper. N not because the Queen visited Ireland, or not because the Queen visited Northern Ireland, Private Lewis Harrison. Private Lewis Harrison, that's right, who was from the Northeast. Private Harrison died not because the Queen visited Northern Ireland, but the power that she represents remains in that part of Ireland, which was one of the more political remarks that I made. Um, and there was discussion as to whether I could say that. And I then explained to my bosses, mm. not that people like Jeremy Isaac need, needed remembered, needed, needed remembering, because he, you know, he worked with Robert Key on his magisterial yeah. history of Ireland. Uh, but, you know, he understood. And I explained historically how that, <laughs> that was just, so I got away with it. You know? And yet, and yet as the sort of, in spite of the fact you were the sort of John the Baptist of 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 the of the sort of the British broadcasting sort of uh, cadre, Her Majesty, and I I, I could never understand this. Uh, eventually, made you an order of the British Empire, <laughs> <laughs> but in, on on Her Majesty, which 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 I think says a lot about you and your integrity through yeah. the years and your fearless reporting on both sides. It's also not known, stepping back. The from. OBE is also known in some circles as other buggers' efforts, <laughs> <laughs> which is which is partially true, partially yeah. true. But in, in the final chapter of the book, when I I you know cover the deaths of the peacemakers from. You know, from from Brendan Duddy and Martin McGuinness and David Trimble and others, I end up with Her Majesty the Queen, because you know she she did she made a, a huge contribution in agreeing to shake hands with Martin McGuinness, whose organisation or part of whose organisation was responsible for the murder of her um, of her uncle. And then for, for, it took a huge amount for McGuinness to do that. I mean, he put his life on the line. There's no question about that. But he got away with it. And then on top of all, on top of it all, he actually donned white tie and tails to dine with the Queen at Windsor Castle in honour of the visit of the President of Ireland. Who would have believed it? And that was a mark. And also... That was one of the reasons, I mean, I admired McGuinness, not for what he did in the past, but for the political, quotes, journey he made, what he did as Deputy First Minister, and then how he held out visibly and practically the hand of friendships to unionists, because the, the penny had finally dropped with the Republican movement, or sections of it, they were convinced, that only with the support of the then majority, now the minuscule minority um, of Protestants, Unionists in Northern Ireland, only with them on side could there be real progress to the practicality of a United Ireland. And McGuinness realised that. And the symbol of it was his shaking hands with the Queen. And he was able to do it because of what Her Majesty the Queen had done 
here in Dublin in her visit, which touched, you know, a powerfully emotional chord with people um, in, in, in the Republic. So I think, you know, Her Majesty and McGuinness together set the scene for the way forward. And I think she made a, an important contribution towards the peace process, which Martin McGuinness was I- intimately involved in. Peter, it's a hopeful note to end on, and we will end on there. It's been an incredible conversation about a wonderful book and your own career, which, as Joe has touched on, has been nothing short of remarkable. Thank you for joining us on Free State today. Thank you very much. I've really enjoyed it. I've never done a podcast before. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. I mean, I'm... Uh, and it's, I'm it's, blushing with I can now, I, I can now see... and and. Colleagues say, but Peter, you must, you know, you should do a podcast now about your history in, in Northern Ireland. And I've never quite understood how podcasts work. We'll but get, they, We'll get you back. <laughs> but they're amazing because I'm used to being interviewed uh, and I'm asked a question and I go on and on and on. And my, my partner says, I go on too much. Be disciplined, she says. <laughs> Whereas the beauty of the podcast is that it's free-flowing. You've got time, and time is the enem- enemy of making television programs and doing television interviews oh. because you've got to concertina everything into a minuscule amount of time. When I did um, the recent program on, basically on Robert and Operation Chiffon that was, that was based on the book, we had half an hour. And we're lucky to have half an hour at short notice. Lucky to have it. And we should have had an hour. Easily we, mm. we could have had the, an hour. The, because what, what's lacking is the context. Because Operation Chiffon isn't just about Operation Chiffon, as you've been kind enough t- to remark. Uh, it's about much more. The podcast is, 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 is a great vehicle because pe- people can listen to it whenever they want to. That's why it's a great vehicle nowadays. So people listen to us when, when they're running, you know, when they've got a half an hour in the car on the way home in the evening. But yeah. As you say, you go and they're saying to you, right, we've got three minutes. And you're thinking, can I reduce this all to three minutes? How do you do this? And you're on so a telephone. We, <laughs> we'll, we'll make this, this will be two, this will be a two episode podcast. Um, so we'll split it into two. And every word of it will go out. Oh, yeah. Once Joe's legal. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, well, look, we're... Um, Really very privileged that uh, Peter has come into us, and uh, I mean the story of Peter Taylor is really the story of the North, the story of the Troubles. And uh, so I want to pay tribute to his courage and integrity, and dedicate this episode to him. I want to all of the precious lives lost in the Troubles.
Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads.